Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. Just there is that going on which causes us to see unclearly. But if we truly look, if we look with care, we will see that the true and beautiful sky is shining behind the clouds. This teaching is from the Kyoju Kaiman. It is Reverend Master Jiu's commentary on Dogen and Kazon's teaching of the 16 precepts. This particular sentence comes from the ninth great precept, the one on not indulging anger. Today, I'd like to look a little deeper than the anger. Look at this looking, at this gesture in the direction of looking with care, and what that might mean for how we approach training in the way of the Buddha. This past week, I learned of a sincere person who feels he should be doing better in his practice. I heard someone else say his sitting had gone very well that day. As it happens, neither of these two honest opinions is all that relevant in terms of whether these good people are actually doing their spiritual work or how it's actually going. Even if true, these two apparently contrasting opinions, I'm doing well, and I'm doing poorly, these two opinions are just opinions. Like any judgment, they come and they go. They can be held on to, 
and they can be let go. There is a natural joy in doing the practice, a sense of harmony that comes from setting foot on the path. When a person sets their heart and mind to doing a spiritual practice, setting the wheel in motion, something begins to glow in the person. In the course of establishing practice, persevering in practice, deepening practice, any number of impediments may arise diverting us from following through on our original intention. These impediments generally fall into one of three categories, greed, hatred, and delusion. When we recognize the arising of any of these three, rather than remaining clueless about them, not only does it help us get on with our practice, it is our practice. Training with greed or hatred can be fairly straightforward. Seeing greed or hatred arise, we can then work on letting go where we're grabbing or accepting what we're pushing away. Delusion can be slippery. With delusion... I can deceive myself, distract myself, anesthetize myself to avoid seeing what is arising within. When I set about doing my practice, it's not necessarily that more impediments arise. It may be that at last I'm seeing them that I'm opening my heart, opening my eyes to what has been arising all along. Then I'm no longer avoiding my own suffering, no longer fooling myself about what's there to be looked at. I'm making the offering of my willingness to sit with whatever arises without becoming entangled with it. I'm seeing clearly, looking with care. What is this thing I call practice or training? How is it different from just living, just being? Do I need certain formal conditions, internal or external? for this spiritual work to be done? If on a cosmic scale it's all going on anyway, why put myself out? Why not stay comfortably in ignorance, just seeking pleasure and avoiding pain until the final curtain falls? Yet something calls me to look more closely, to look with care.
What becomes possible when I consciously, deliberately, repeatedly practice being fully present? For that's what meditation really is. That's what it is to follow the precepts wholeheartedly. How is it useful to entice the self to look in a direction where I may be asked to stretch, where I may feel uncomfortable? Why would I willingly step outside my comfort zone in order to learn, to grow, to find freedom from the suffering in this world? Some of us approach spiritual practice as an exercise of will, making myself meditate, making myself keep a precept. This can arise out of a deep sincerity, and still, this kind of forcing oneself will only get a person so far. It can go on for years, this rigidity, and still, it will only get me so far on the path to liberation until I'm ready to relax my grip. Listen to how the precepts call us to live from the heart. Listen to the silence. Do you hear your own dear sitting place call out for you to rest in its embrace? There is a place for discipline and zeal, just as there's a place for rest and relaxation. Clinging to any point on the continuum can cloud our view. If the string is too tight, it will snap, too loose, and it will not play. When the Buddha overheard a music teacher explaining this to a student, he realized that true liberation lies in following the middle way, and he let go of his insistence on striving. Our practice of serene reflection meditation takes us beyond the opposites, beyond the extremes of indulgence or asceticism. Have you had enough with the struggle between doing or not doing this practice? This so-called struggle can become an endless distraction from just doing the work of turning within. Like passing clouds covering the sun, at times the self gets in the way. What is the middle way? 
Just let go where there's clinging and do what's good to do, resting in the eternal, responding to the inner prompting, now stepping forward to do what's needed, now stepping back to come to stillness, waiting, listening, looking with care. Yes, there's so much work to be done, and how will I ever do it all? Yes, I would rather be doing this other shimmering thing. Yes, I am willing. How may I help? Let the self help. Like a loving little child, like a good working dog, the self wants to be a part of what we're taking on by setting out to do our practice, moment by moment, day after day. The self doesn't need to be subjugated or broken. It needs to be of use. It's still learning, endlessly learning what's good to do. And we can give it a job to do because it's a part of the unfolding. The job is to be fully present with what is and to be a decent human being. That's not something we have to be shown. It's the foundation of who we really are. To turn in this direction, we can entice the self and encourage it and urge it, and we can love it. The self is the means we have of doing the work. One day, this body and mind that I experience as myself will evaporate and return into the flow, like clouds, like water. In the meantime, I can regard the self with care. With care means with love, and also with clarity, with wisdom. Just because I may not have been keeping a regular schedule of meditation lately. Just because by my estimation I have not managed to keep every last precept. These things don't mean I'm not doing my practice. Likewise, regular meditation and perceptual austerity are not a magic formula for holiness or exemption from the arising of karma. I don't know what's gone on before in this karmic stream. Maybe it's amazing that I have even heard of the Dharma at all, let alone decided to follow it. And maybe, indeed, I could deepen my practice. Compassion and laxity are not commensurate 
they've got nothing to do with each other. What is in my heart? For this, my lifetime, what is my true wish? At this very moment, the rain of the Dharma flows into the lake of kindness, says the offertory for the Buddha's birth. At this very moment, the rain of the Dharma flows. What is the teaching here for me in this very moment? Why miss this moment before me, distracting myself, worrying about what may come or what may have been? Now is when I can respond, not then, not after, now. What am I doing now? Is it good to do? Whatever it is, shall I keep doing it? Shall I cease from doing it? What can I do to be of help to all beings? To be of help to all beings right here with me. On and on flows the river of time. When I came into existence, it was as if I entered the river, bobbing in its flow, tumbled in its currents. With those nearing death, as we first realize that truly we will die, it seems to us as if we will pass out of existence. Then, as we are dying, what appears to be happening is anything but. It's as if the river of time flows on and we merge again with it from whence we come, dissolving into it as we become one with deepest wisdom of the heart. In this present existence, my reasons for turning to what's called spiritual practice may be many and varied, clear or unclear. What brought me to respond to the call from within? What brought me to this practice that I try to do? At first, the question of which practice to take up may seem important or the mechanics of how to do it, but eventually it all comes down 
to whether or not to do the work. This doesn't mean just, did I do my meditation today, or was I truthful when I sold that couch? These day-to-day questions are aspects of the deeper question. They are not the whole picture, and they aren't there to bludgeon ourselves with either. What is my reason for being? Meditation and the precepts are like tools. They're there to help. When we pick up these tools, they can help us to do the work of the heart. Like most tools, they're a lot more useful if we've got a hold of the handle end rather than the business end of them. On a partly cloudy day, the sunlight comes and goes, as clouds cover or reveal the face of the sun above. When the light shines, aspens glow golden, a fire. When clouds block the sun, the leaves turn muddy yellow and the day gray. It's a little like that with training and enlightenment. When the self gets in the way, and we can't see the Buddha nature, which is always there in us and around us, everything looks dimmer. We feel duller to ourselves, separated. But the tree has the same Buddha nature, whether it's lit up or not. The bright sky is up there, whether clouds pass between tree and sun or not. Buddha nature is essentially the same, whether we perceive and reflect the infinite enlightenment of all things in the universe or not. And practice, training is when we're willing to keep going beyond, through all the changing conditions, always becoming Buddha. When the clouds of self arise, just there is that going on which causes us to see unclearly. But if we truly look, if we look with care, we will see that the true and beautiful sky is shining behind the clouds.
Soon enough, the autumn breeze will blow stronger and stronger, pushing the clouds fast and high across the sky, pulling the bright leaves from the branches, leaving only the trunk and branches swaying in the wind like skeletons, harbingers of the wintry bleak to come. I am here now. The river of time flows on, and I am in it. Let the clouds come and go. Why worry if I am training well or training poorly? Just truly look. Just train. Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart That Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.